Welcome to Reliability Leader, a podcast about how leaders make organizations that create reliable technology. Today, I'd like to talk about preventive maintenance, obviously a very big part of reliability and how products perform. But I think also we tend to think of it often as just, you know, uh, with specific consumables or only look to what legacy um has done for preventive maintenance and not really consider it as a powerful option when doing design work. So first, you know, what uh, kind of, what is preventive maintenance? And preventive maintenance is actions that you recommend be taken um, with regard to the technology uh, that are most often physically done and they are done not because the product is not performing well they're done um, from knowledge that there are certain factors in the design that are degrading over time and this comes from studies that were done earlier both with in-house testing and the field and the preventive maintenance is scheduled with the idea that whatever statistical distribution there is around failure modes or performance problems from this degradation, that you will be restarting the clock by refreshing whatever that degradation is, and that uh, it will not be experienced effectively taking what would have been an element of wear out um, early in product life that would limit the product from achieving its life goal and removing it, removing it forever. It's no longer a part of the equation because the clock gets reset. So I, I think what a discussion that doesn't happen, that should happen more often is in the design process and when we are discovering wear outs or failure modes that are happening too early, do we really consider preventive maintenance um, as a way of addressing that instead of redesign? It can be extremely expensive, both in time and money, to keep advancing uh, a technology within a product, you know, features, to have longer life. This can dramatically slow down a program if it was a surprise that a specific you know feature was going to wear out much earlier than the life goal let's say the product life goal was 10 years and you find out that in you know even with just a small data set that within two years that will say that a seal can wear out you know a high pressure fluidic seal can wear out because it degrades um and there you know, usually the first response is, all right, how do we redesign this to last the 10 years? And in the case with a seal, it could be a tremendous initiative uh, with regard to material studies and um, how how parts interact. You know, maybe you end up doubling or tripling seals to reduce the load in an individual seal with tremendous rework cost. 
Well, it could be that another solution is let's stick with the seal technology we have, but make the design in a way where it is actually relatively easy or easier to get in there and change the seal, effectively resetting the clock uh, at a time period that uh, you know ensures that you don't have a percentage that fails. So if, the, if they were failing at two years, let's say that's a nominal value, and you do enough of a statistical study to find a standard deviation, you might have that seal replacement be at one year. Now, of course, you know some a lot of things are not easy to maintain and would severely affect um, uptime of the product. And uptime is really what we're delivering to our customers. But it could be a blended solution. You know, you might be able to relatively easily uh, come up with a seal design that can go six years. Um, and if you're able to do that, and you know, the getting from the six years to 10 years is really an excessive research project that would dramatically delay uh, product development that might be done then in conjunction with a preventive maintenance that is once in its lifetime. You know, it's once every five years. So, you know, keeping this on the table and keeping people aware of it can help mitigate um, just jumping to needing to do dramatic redesign programs to the full extent, you know, of, of satisfying, which is usually where engineers go right away. You know, you want to solve problems and taking pause and even making a separate, you know, not having it just be a part of the design review, but a separate meaning about how preventive maintenance can, can assist, um, you know, can be a big deal. So there's also many strategies uh, with preventive maintenance. You can uh, do the style where it's, while well, the product is in place in the field. So effectively technicians will be on site, there'll be some downtime, uh, the maintenance will occur and the clock is reset. There is also more of the rebuild style, which is also called depot, where the product is sent back to the factory and it is refreshed there and then sent back out. It also could be that it's sent there and another one is sent, you know, one that is already refurbished is sent back out and that way there's a, a quicker turnaround time. Um, and then with the field versions, you can have, you know, reducing downtime by having actual spares on site so that there is not a need for, uh, you know, delivery, the delivery time to get parts. You're not worried about inventory or supply chain, which is a very big deal right now uh, to make sure the preventive maintenance happens in, you know, within in the time, the time frame that it is uh, scheduled. There's also the um, idea of having, you know, effectively, you could have using the redundancy strategy, which is a reliability strategy where you have an actual failure occur and another, you know, a redundant component kicks in right away or it was already running. But this also can be used uh, for preventive maintenance where you have a system in there or, you know, some kind of a parallel redundancy that can be switched over to while the maintenance is down and have the maintenance in in fact have no downtime and you know not necessarily switching over to the other one permanently which is a possibility but it could just be temporary for the maintenance so it could be a much simpler feature much simpler system or you're running in some kind of a modified running mode where you're not totally shut down but you're running you know uh, with lower you know burden to the system or you know effectively output but still still providing output 
So having all these conversations in design can it can be really powerful and have a really big influence on our approach to design. There's also going to be a really strong connection with design for manufacturing. Because design for manufacturing, you know, very much is based around how how will things go together has a very big influence on it. So how things go together and how things come apart um, obviously is a core element of how, you know, maintenance affects the product and performance. So in the design for manufacturing initiative, you should always make sure that, uh, you know, maintenance is an aspect that is discussed. So are there any downsides to using maintenance as a solution for, um, you know, degradation. Well, yes, of course, um, you know, customers prefer to not have that be a part of, you know, their experience using the product. I mean, even just your own vehicle, you know, when you get a service light on your dashboard, your first reaction is, ugh, there goes, you know, part of some day where I have to take my car in to be serviced. So it's an inconvenience. So we want to also make sure we don't rely on it too often. And we also want to look at it as a strategy, a competitive strategy. If you can advance your technology and you, uh, you, know, you do have those initiatives to reduce maintenance, uh, this can have a, a very big um, you know, impact in, in how you appear in the market. It can be a competitive advantage. Now, with... You know, the the three main buckets for failures and reliability, as we know, are, you know, quality defects, which are driven by, you know, variability in manufacturing. We have our use, you know, our use uh, failures, which occur during use life and are typically considered random, you know, failures if you have a complex electromechanical device. And then we have the wear out failures. So the PM strategy will not help us at all with the use failures, you know, the middle of the bathtub curve, because these are effectively random. They are not following a degradation curve. They're not predictable. They're random. And in, um, so you, they will effectively have little to no effect on that. Um, Unless you can show with one specific fire mode that there is some kind of a effectively degradation type change to the probability of failure. Usually it could be like a log normal distribution. Now with quality defect type failures, if you're looking to address those, the very strange thing here is that preventive maintenance can actually make that worse. And this is really important to understand. If you are, if there is a field failure rate that's increasing, or you know, we kind of find that um, our our product is behaving differently than it has historically, and we're looking to understand what's going on, um, sometimes um, you know, based on the product itself and how it's used, it can be easy to simply go out in the field and replace units. And the idea being that by replacing the unit, this unit is, you know, we're going to be able to mitigate the failure rate happening in the field while we try to figure out the root cause. Well, if the failure rate is a, you know, behaves in a degradation kind of way, then yes, you are restarting the clock for those units. But if in fact it is a quality-based failure, manufacturing variability-based failure, the units in the field that have not failed 
are very likely to not have that issue. And by going in and replacing units at random, you're effectively taking good units and you are risking introducing the defect. So in this case, the proactive maintenance is working against you. Because to some degree, the units in the field are effectively a screening process. And it's an extended quality test where, unfortunately, it's happening. The customer is doing it for you. But the longer they're out there, the more likely they are to not have that defect. So that's a case where you have to be very cautious. And this is also why it's very important to study data sets and to characterize, you know, the distributions. You know, what, what behavior are we seeing? Because this guides us uh, into which of these solutions or approaches can be helpful both immediately and long term. So that's in the field, but the same thing happens in the product, you know, development cycle, the development program when you're doing in-house reliability testing. This is also why we want to see statistical significance to characterize distributions, you know, of specific failure modes, because that will show which are candidates uh, to where preventive maintenance could be a strategy if we're finding that advancing the technology uh, to satisfy the full product life is difficult. So I hope everybody's doing great out there, and we'll talk again soon. Take care.